Audiobook. Audiobook release. Podcast. Authors. Narrators. Interviews. Industry. News. Reviews. Sponsored by eAudioProductions.com. Welcome to the Audiobook Release Podcast, a show for audiobook lovers. Stay tuned as we share the latest news from the audiobook industry. We interview established and upcoming authors. We talk with popular narrators and review a wide range of audiobooks. Brought to you by eAudioProductions.com. Welcome to the audiobook release podcast, which is brought to you by eAudioProductions. This is a narrator interview episode where we talk with narrators from the eAudioProductions talent roster. I'm Pam Wood, an audiobook narrator myself, and today we have with us Adriel Brandt. Before we continue to the interview, let's listen to a short sample of Adriel performing an audiobook. This one is from a medieval fantasy adventure titled The King's Chosen by L. Waytham and produced, of course, by E-Audio Productions. Lucas sat with his feet dangling off the table, watching as his father pulled a piece of glowing hot steel from the fire and placed it on the anvil. His eyes followed the orange sparks that were flying off with every hit of the hammer and disappearing just as quickly as if into thin air. It was hard to imagine that the length of steel, still thick and rough, would become a gleaming sword once it was finished. He held his own sword in his hands, one that his father had crafted for Lucas's ninth birthday. He waved it through the air. It was half the size of a real sword, but perfect in weight for him, and he enjoyed fending off the seemingly endless supply of invisible villains. His father plunged the steel in a barrel of water to cool it off and smiled. Who are you fighting this time? he asked, wiping the sweat off his face with a cloth. Hunters, answered Lucas, stabbing another enemy. They come from across the wild river and are big and strong. Like bears, and did you know they can remove a man's head from his body with only their hands? Hunters, eh? mumbled his father. Where did you learn about them? The village elder told me, said Lucas, standing up on the table to strike one last time. He said that it's King Iton's responsibility to keep the hunters from coming and raiding the land, and that there are boys in the king's army who are just like me. He thinks I should report to the king when I turn ten. His father frowned. What made him say that you were like those boys? He asked. Did you get into another fight with the village kids? No, father, answered Lucas. They avoid me now. And I just want to say welcome, Adriel. Thank you very much, Pam. I'm glad to be here and glad to have crossed paths with, yes. uh, with E-Audio Productions. Absolutely. Happy to have you here. So we're just, this is a very informal interview process. It's a chance for myself and the audience to get to know some of the talented narrators that are producing audiobooks through E-Audio Productions. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you call home? I am from the uh, Pacific coast of Canada, so near Vancouver area. I thought I heard a little bit of Canadian accent in one of the words when we were chatting before I was going to ask you if you were from Canada. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, Well spotted. 
Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty good with those, uh, some of those dialects that I hear. Is that where you grew up and that's where you've lived pretty much? No. So I have, uh, I grew up uh, in Manitoba, Canada. Okay. Uh, or rather, I was born in Manitoba and then have moved steadily west since then. So I spent time in Saskatchewan, which is the next province to the west, then Alberta, and then ended up here in, in BC. In British Columbia? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, like, like I said, I heard a little bit of that. I forget which word it was, but I, I was going <laughs> to ask you. I was going to ask you. Um, so I guess, first of all, how did you first connect with e-audio? So this would have been early in my audiobook journey. I think the first project that I completed was for e-audio productions. And it was uh, a nonfiction kind of memoir slash health warning written by Dr. Omalu, who became famous, I think, the year before for his work on concussions in the NFL. He sued the NFL. Oh, I'm fascinated um, and by this that was, topic. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a follow-up book to his first, talking about the intersection of faith and his fight against the NFL's treatment of, of head injuries. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, um, when, and when was that? When did you, uh, when did that come oh out for dear. you, Bruce? Uh, I wouldn't be able to pen it. Uh, <laughs> I, I have, I, I'm very poor at chronology, even my own chronology. Um, <laughs> and so I wouldn't be able to tell you, but it's been, I think, four or five years. Okay. That's what I would hazard. And you've done more projects with e-audio productions, I, I think I understand. Yes, I've done a few more. Uh, I've done, I don't know, nearly 10, I think. Okay. Well, that's still, that's still a good uh, number to boast about. So when you started narrating, was it an intentional move to go into narration or a lot of people just kind of fall into it, you know, as a pivot, but is this something that was an intentional career move for you? It wasn't so much a pivot uh, as it was, I got into it as a hobby. Uh, Curiously enough, Uh, this was now many years back. So maybe eight to 10 years ago, I was writing this collaborative fiction project uh, with a few friends online and decided that I would narrate it out loud as well. So we had finished writing it and I thought, oh, you know, what can I do with it next? I had been, of course, you know, obsessed with this, with this narrative project. I'd been really invested in it. And so I wanted to continue doing it. And so I narrated the audio book and the production was terrible. (laughs) Um, and it was very, very bass heavy and yeah. And so the quality wasn't so good, but that got me started in, into audiobook production. Um, and so when conventional employment was starting to fail me due to, uh, mental illness, as well as some neurodivergence, then I was looking for alternatives, uh, things that I could do, uh, especially at this point, what I could do from home. And so I thought, well, I've recorded some dozens of hours already for, you know, as a hobby, perhaps someone would actually want to listen to these recordings. And so looked up where I could submit auditions and and my voice and was on various freelancing websites and also stumbled upon eaudioproductions.com. Well, we're very blessed to be able to work from home. That's, mm-hmm. you know, I know you feel that way. I certainly feel that way um, as a caregiver. So we're, we're just very blessed to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so we've talked about how many books you've done and talked a little bit about the challenge of narration just when you first started and the production aspect of it not being, you know, 
up to par, which we wouldn't expect, you know, in our first audiobook necessarily. Mm-hmm. What other challenges have you experienced through narration? Well, um, in recent years, I had, through these freelancing websites, come upon a regular client that was producing public domain works, mm-hmm. or, or rather was asking me to produce the public domain works, was assigning me these uh, novels and nonfiction works. And that had been regular work for a number of years. But ironically, I suppose, in the pandemic, when people started to listen to audiobooks more somehow, the business became more difficult. Um, And so this client was unable to hire me any further. And so I had to start auditioning for many more projects. So e-audio has been kind of a consistent thing, one or two to three, you know, a year. Uh, But of course, that's not enough necessarily to fund, you know, rent and and groceries and, and so forth. And so as a freelance narrator, you have to go to as many platforms as you can possibly get. And so previously, where it had been this other public domain client and the original and debatably more interesting works coming through e-audio productions, I had to then go to another platform and start to audition regularly to get regular jobs. And so that was a that was a big struggle because I had been I'd become used to being handed projects, so to speak, which I certainly didn't take for granted as an artist, uh, but I certainly appreciated and enjoyed uh, not having to put myself out there and get my auditions denied and turned down and uh, and people reaching out saying, oh, we loved you. You were in our top five. But, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of the challenges as I came into the industry, you know, I, with a communications background, but audiobooks was fairly new to me, was at the beginning of COVID. And, you know, thousands, I would not venture, I mean, I would not say that's not accurate, but certainly hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were doing the same thing. And so now you've got this flood of narrators and wannabe narrators and even actors getting into the the audiobook process when Hollywood probably had to shut down with COVID and all of that. And now so the authors, they have so many more people auditioning for their projects, more than they probably ever had before, oftentimes a hundred. So that that is a challenge for us and for them as well. I've often been curious to know what it looks like from the author's side. Yes, me to too. See, you know, I'd be curious to submit a project just to see how many auditions and of what quality they would be. Because often, you know, we know our own quality, or at least, I, you know, I think we hope to have awareness of what we can do. And so I would wonder whether some authors are picking someone less good. I'd never follow up on auditions that I have not been selected for to see what voice they did choose. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, it's an interesting thing to consider, to think about. Sometimes it'll cross our path, too, when the finished project is done and we'll say, oh, that's you got it. (laughs) So (laughs) in addition to challenges on the opposite side of the coin, what do you like most about narration? What have you enjoyed the most about it? The art of it, I think, um, as well as, and this is just the aside to kind of start us off, it gets me to read more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know other people listen to audiobooks and that makes novels and and books and nonfiction more accessible to them. But on the flip side, the narrator themselves, or or in this case himself, is also getting to read that book. And so I log that on my Goodreads and that's what inflates my numbers to a respectable number uh, at the end of the year. But that was just an aside. I, I like to read. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I mentioned, um, one of the major things about audiobook production and narration that I appreciate is that I can do it from home. I'm a bit of a homebody. And so that's a really important thing for me. But uh, I come from a like a theatrical background. I used to do stage plays 
um, and have dabbled still uh, in them in the last few years. But obviously, the pandemic has come in the way we're starting to ease back into, but I'm still less comfortable than I was at one stage, of course. Right. Uh, And obviously, that's something we all have to still think about. Are your theater groups, just as a side note from audiobooks, are your theater groups starting to come back with local plays and and different things? Okay. I haven't done any since, but uh, I'm looking forward to perhaps auditioning in the coming year or or next year or something like that, if there's a a production that catches my eye. And so that aspect of the art uh, appeals to me as well. The performance aspect, the bringing something to life, giving voice to words on a page. That's kind of what brought me to it, this uh, narrative project that I was working on with these other authors to life in a new kind of fashion. I enjoyed that and I continue to enjoy bringing works to life. Well, that's a great segue into my next question is what do you think makes a good narrator? Yeah, I would, I would, you know, you, you call it a segue. I would say that it's almost the same answer. Someone who enjoys stories and enjoys bringing things to life. I would say that they would need to have some sort of understanding of performance mm-hmm. and what intonations and emotion brings something to life. It's one thing to have a good voice and a clear voice, and it's another thing to have a voice that brings things to life. Well, it's funny, as I'm reviewing the questions that we indicate that could come up in the conversation and what do you think makes a good narrator, but really what do you think makes, in general, a good storyteller? Because that's where it really, Mm. like you said, it's one thing to have the voice and the clarity and the articulation, but can they bring that story to life that we're actually in that story with what's happening? So yeah, I think spot on is how you're kind of seeing that. And the theater background, I'm sure, helps tremendously with that. I I hope so. I hope it's reflected in my projects. When you're not in the theater and you're not in the booth, do you have any hobbies? Anything that you like to do to get hashtag out of the booth? (laughs) Yeah. So Speaking of storytelling, uh, a thing that I do regularly is I lead tabletop role-playing games for a little bit of extra cash at the local board game cafe. Oh, isn't that interesting? I've never heard of such a thing. So you may have heard of the the most popular game is is Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, And so that's the the game that I will typically be asked to lead because that's the one that players know. Okay. Um, although I'd like to branch out, that's the one that people know and they listen to these podcasts or now watch the Amazon TV show about the most famous of the Dungeons and Dragons podcasts, Vox Machina, and they want to experience that for themselves. They want to live that story um, and have a voice in those stories. And so that, I think, is both benefited by my vocation as an audiobook narrator and also informs my audiobook narration in that it's continual practice in giving voice to new characters and telling new stories and having to adapt to elements of story that I, as a creator, wouldn't necessarily have put in there Mm -hmm. um, because I'm reading someone else's words as an audiobook narrator and I'm adapting to someone else's words as a game master in these these tabletop role-playing games. Interesting. But yeah, that's something that I do uh, outside. And then I dabble in other things as well. I'm on a soccer team uh, during the year. And then I assist my, my partner, who's, uh, who's an entrepreneur. Uh, she does uh, wedding flowers. And so I help her out when she needs uh, assistance as well. So it sounds like you've got a full schedule, regardless if you're in the booth or not. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I think Joe Arden was a soccer player, narrator Joe Arden. Oh, is that right? When, when you said soccer, I think I read somewhere where he was uh, at one point a soccer player. Okay, there you go. 
gives you good lungs, I think, yes, uh, so that yes, you can yes, read yes. long sentences. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some long sentences out there. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> we have to take a breath, yes. Have you found over the years of your narration, are there um, any kinds of scenes that are difficult for you or have proved a bit of a challenge when it comes to narration? I suppose the greatest challenge that I've encountered is sentences that are formed in a way that I wouldn't have put them. And so I don't know if you have written anything of your own that you might have read, you know, to even just to edit, not to produce as an audiobook. But you can read very, or I found, I can read very easily what I've written because I can expect where the sentence goes and how long the sentence is and where to put the inflections. But with other authors, sometimes they form sentences And I don't mean grammatically incorrect sentences, but just sentences in a way that I wouldn't have formed them. They wouldn't be Adriel sentences. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, and, uh, And so I don't always know what to expect, where to expect the sentence to go. And so, you know, there is reading ahead, but even then you get caught up in the energy of your narration and sometimes, you know. Yeah, I would say that that's that's the the difficulty for me sometimes is it is. It depends on the author's writing, you know, and I'm sure, as I said, and I say this with love and respect for all of them, there are some books that just flow a little easier with the writing, makes it a little bit easier for us. And there's some, like you say, that they don't write like we speak. So sometimes I catch myself doing the the Pamism. You know, I have to yeah, yeah. I have to pull that out and and you know focus on what they've written. Yeah, because of course we're bringing to life their words, not how we see them necessarily. Obviously, there is a personal aspect to performance, to all performance, um, and they trust us to, you know, they trust what we bring to the table. But at the end of the day, it is their words and their story that we want to have the integrity to, Absolutely. to bring to life. Absolutely. In the industry itself, do you have any audiobook narrators that you really admire, that you really love to listen to? Yeah, so... So my wife uh, listens to audiobooks to fall asleep. And so I, I have some that, you know, I'll be like, oh, like, please don't listen to that one again tonight. Uh, but there are, <laughs> there are a few that, I, that I've said, okay, you can listen to this one. And so one of our favorite uh, narrators is John Lee. He's done a wide variety of audiobooks. I think he might have, he's got hundreds on uh, the monopolized audiobook platform we won't mention. But our favorites are, he's done a number of Alexandre Dumas uh, works, The Count of Monte Cristo and The Three Musketeers. Um, And those I've enjoyed listening to by proxy of being next to the person who's choosing to listen to them. But as an audiobook narrator, I find, you know, other people listen to audiobooks on their way to work or even at their work while they're doing something that doesn't require them to have active ears. But of course, for our work, we produce these audiobooks and we don't commute to our own homes. And so I don't often have the opportunity to listen to many audiobooks. And I don't know if, if that's something that you have shared the experience of as well. Yeah, I, I do, because, you know, working from home, I don't get out very often. And so I do tend to listen to them in the car safely. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But during the day, when the day is full, it's not something I turn to on a regular basis, and I really need to do it more so I can hear the narrators and their, their performances. So that, that is a goal of mine this year for me to, to try to listen to more. Do you have, you mentioned you did the, um, was it nonfiction, the NFL yeah. head injury, uh, which I find very fascinating. There was a documentary, I think, on PBS a couple of years ago. Yeah, and there was a, there was a film starring Will Smith yeah. as yes, well. Yes, yes. And I just, I find that, 
really fascinating, that topic. So you've done nonfiction. Is there a specific genre that you're drawn to? Not that you're willing to do, but if you had the choice today to accept a direct offer from a producer, what would that book or that genre be like? Well, again, coming from a performance background and a storytelling background in my in my gaming and pursuits as a as a young person, I would say that narrative projects are my preference. I really enjoy bringing to life characters and their emotional arcs in the form of novels. But that said, I do struggle to read nonfiction as like a personal motivation. So like I I struggle to make myself read nonfiction. And so I'm always grateful for the opportunity to be literally paid to read nonfiction because then I'm reading something that I wouldn't typically read, which I appreciate. Right. And it would educate you on that topic. And exactly. Yeah. So right now, if you're doing the nonfiction, are you doing things like young adult or, I mean, if it was outside of nonfiction, what type of project would most interest you outside of that? I've read and enjoyed a wide variety of projects over the years. And so I don't know if I could say necessarily, as far as genres go, I grew up really enjoying fantasy. Uh, but have enjoyed contemporary fiction uh, in more recent years. A number of my favorite authors write novels that are not necessarily within the kind of constraints of genre, but cover a, a number of them. They're, they're human stories, they're political, they are fantastical, and uh, a whole collection of genres and, and feelings. And so I, I like stories that do have a depth to their storytelling that can't necessarily be constrained to a single genre. So it sounds like you're not really zoomed into a specific genre, but it's really the story that whatever genre it's in, that will Mm -hmm. grab your attention. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, I've I've read and enjoyed uh, and performed and enjoyed a number of, you know, a wide variety from romance to science fiction to religious works and transcendent poetical narratives, almost in the the most recent project I did for E-Audio, which I think has yet to come out, uh, almost has like a Finnegan's Wake sort of uh, vibe to it, where it's just like a barrage of this beautiful kind of poetic narrative language. Interesting. So you sound like you've really done a wide range of work, and that's great for your portfolio. When we step into the booth, typically there's a little bit of warm-up involved, you know, lip trills or a little bit of light singing or something. Do you have sort of a go-to routine, so to speak? Yeah, I've borrowed some some practices from various YouTube videos that I've watched, you know, that say like, this is the way to get your cheeks elastic and your tongue agile, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and so I've got a few things like that, which I won't do now because they obviously sound horrible uh, <laughs> recorded and are better left to the the, the privacy of your own <laughs> booth with the, with the microphone off. If we were driving down the highway, getting ready to maybe record at home in a few minutes, and if we were doing these things in the car, people would look at us so strangely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Massaging our head and doing lip trills and pinching our cheeks, just all kinds of things that kind of prepare us to get ready to record. Um, if you were just starting out, and you met somebody who'd been doing this for a while, what advice would you feel would benefit you? Or what advice would you give to somebody who's just now thinking of starting into audiobook narration? Yeah, it's it's funny because you mentioned how there are so many new narrators and producers cropping up in the pandemic when people were wanting 
a new thing to fill their time while they were off work or whatever during the pandemic. So I had a number of people reach out to me who knew that I was an audiobook narrator and ask for advice, but I still don't have a particularly exact answer to that simply because, you know, it depends on what experience you already have in recording in general or in reading in general. But, you know, everyone, even, you know, accomplished audiobook narrators, like I'm sure you and I have very different processes for our uh, recording. So there's the various ways that you can edit. There are the various ways that you can record and, and what you can set up and all of that sort of thing. But I would say find a place where you can, um, I mean, you know, I'm going to turn that advice and say that it was very beneficial for me when I was starting out to find e-audio productions when I did, because Elias was able to give me the advice that got me to have a better sound. I submitted the samples from my personal narrative project and he said, ah, you know, maybe don't put so much bass on there (laughs) Uh, and that sort of thing. And so it's helpful to have personalized advice. And so that's perhaps why I'm struggling to answer this generally is because advice should be personalized. So find somebody to ask that question, find somebody to ask for advice whom you trust and who can give you specific advice for your situation, what you're trying to do. I have found in the industry, the coaches that I've worked with, and, and there's been a handful, have all been so generous. If you've worked with them or taken classes with them, you know, once they get to know you, they're, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to give away their information free, (laughs) but they generally are very, I'm here for you kind of thing. You know, just let me know when you need to schedule something or, and I think that that's having those kinds of people in your posse, as I have a Pam's posse, is good advice in itself. For me, that kind of comes along that same way. Well, let me ask you something that's not really on our questionnaire type of thing, but can you share something or would you like to share something about yourself that has nothing to do with audiobooks that the audience might find entertaining or uh, surprising about your background? Something fun about your background? Well, this isn't necessarily about my background, but my cat just climbed on my lap and is purring. So I hope that doesn't affect the sound of our interview. Uh, but that's something that's fun. I, I identify with cats and I really like cats. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> are you are you a cat person? I'm I'm gonna whisper, I'm not. Oh dear. I don't I don't <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody. Oh don't worry. The, yeah, I'm listening on headphones, so my cat won't hear you. <laughs> I guess if I had to choose, I'm a dog person, yeah. puppy person, but I haven't had one in many, many, many years. Yeah. But uh the cats scare me because they just jump up on me sometimes when I'm not expecting mm. it. But see, I'm I'm the opposite, and I I'm scared of dogs because they can jump up on you, <laughs> well, and they weigh more and are more true. dangerous than cats to jump up on your lap. And they know because uh, obviously the the dogs most uh, most likely to jump up on your lap are the ones that really don't belong up there. <laughs> like Two hundred and fifty pound boxer or something. But there's like that. there's no wrong answer to the <laughs> no, to the debate not. between cats and dogs. No, no. In my in my opinion, no, indeed. Well, is there anything that you would like to share with the podcast audience that we? Have haven't covered yet? Is there any background information, audiobook related, career related, anything that you'd like to share with us that we haven't chatted about yet? Um, I was going to say, before you answer that, do you happen to have a blooper reel? Do you come across mm. funny errors while narrating? I mean, do you kind of make yourself chuckle? Often, or I, I occasionally wish that I did, because some of the bloopers that I encounter when I'm reading are 
what, you know, they delight me when I'm, when it happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously as much as an error can delight any artist. (laughs) True. Yeah. Um, But, you know, sometimes they are, they're funny or you think, oh, the scale of the, the blooper reel for this particular project would be comical in itself. But honestly, at the end of the day, it's just so much easier to edit out the errors without saving the errors to a new file. Well, that's Um, true. And so uh, I've never put together a blooper reel, but I've often thought of doing it. (laughs) I have a few Hall of Famers. I don't do it every day. But But, uh, I keep them just, you know, to give me a good chuckle sometimes. But you're right. If you did it for every blooper, my Lord, it would take you forever to finish the narration. So you have to. A few of my bloopers have simply been sentences or words where you get a fixation where you just can't say that particular phrase. And the more you try to say it, the worse and worse it gets. And so some of those have been preserved in like chats with my wife or a thread with with some of my friends who are also in kind of performance where I say like, can you say this? And then they say it very easily, of course. And I say, well, why can't I say it? <laughs> well, the other day, it's one of the... Um, and I hadn't heard this word, but the word trajectory, boy, that mm. gets me. That gets me a that lot. That is a difficult one, trajectory. That's a, that is yeah. trajectory. I get, I get yeah. stumped on that. But um, <laughs> and Well, one last question. When you get into your characters, and I probably don't do as good of a job as I should in keeping them all straight, but is, do you have a, a way of documenting or keeping your characters, either personalities or the sound, an audio sound clip of what you did in case you have to come back to it? Do you have any kind of process for that? Well, I think I would have to, first of all, match your humility and say that I think that there are improvements that I can make and, and better ways to keep track of that thing. But the first thing that I would say that helps keep track of characters is the work itself. Um, you want to have, of course, in your story, distinct characters that immediately upon you know them speaking, you recognize which character it is and how they're talking and the tone of what they're saying. And so that's, I think, the first step for me is recognizing and finding and parsing out what are these characters and what are their distinct idiosyncrasies. And, and so far, obviously, distinct idiosyncrasies is redundant, but you'll forgive me, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> we didn't hear that. And the second thing is that I always like to ask my authors for a document that gives me their perspective on their characters. So it's one thing for me to read the work and to identify as best as I can the character and the, the qualities of each person in the story. Uh, but then to get the author's perspective on that is obviously invaluable. They can often tell me at that point, oh, by the way, I've envisioned this character with this particular dialect or accent, whereas this character speaks low or slow, and that's maybe mentioned once in the novel or n- not mentioned at all. Or often I'll have it where they have a number of celebrities or characters from other bits of fiction that they are inspired by for the particular character. I've heard some horror stories where the the narrator perhaps either said the name or maybe some type of a accent or dialect that wasn't provided to them and they get through mm. the whole book and like the last chapter that dialect was something totally different, you yeah. know. And so that's why it's always important to do that prep work yes. is to ask and to even if it takes some time to to wait for that resource so that you know you're getting it right according to what the author the author wants. Because again, they have chosen you because they trust what you've done in the past and they trust your audition represented what they wanted generally the novel to sound like. But then, you know, they will have a character that should have sounded like this celebrity or this particular character. And you thought when you were reading it that they were a little bit more of that sort of character. 
and generally speaking, yeah, it's not like a huge gulf, but I have encountered as well as you have, as, as you say, they thought that their character was this sexy cavalier and you were thought, yeah, maybe a little bit Steve Urkel. And, right. you know, <laughs> a, little, a little nerdy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny because that comes into play for those who are not in the industry and are listening, where we have typically a 15 minute checkpoint, you know, for That's the right, author yeah. to hear. And a lot of people start with chapter one and do that. But if there are key characters, it might be good to have a passage where those character voices are displayed so the author can hear what the narrator has chosen to perform. So that's an important part in our process as well. Adriel, do you have any other, anything else that you'd like to share with the group? We've covered a lot of information and I really appreciate you joining the chat and, and sharing about your audiobook narration career. Well, it's been really lovely and really lovely to kind of learn your perspective on things as well. I've, I've enjoyed having a dialogue, yeah, about yes. audiobook production. It's fun. So thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. And are there places where listeners can follow you on social media? Yeah. So if you want to, basically the boring social media is, is where I post the projects that I'm a part of once they've been mm-hmm. published or once I've found them published. Uh, you can find me on Instagram by looking up Adriel Brand underscore narrator. But uh, projects that I personally produce, some of them public domain, just a couple of them have been, have been projects that I've written or had a hand in, in editing as well. You can find on a Bandcamp page my anonymous narrator nom de plume online is A.S. Ember, because my last name starts with a Burr Brandt, and my wife's maiden name starts with a, an M, and so Ember was my, uh, my little... Clever. <laughs> um, but you can find me at asember.bandcamp.com, and that's where I have my own personal projects, where I make, you know, a few dollars uh, every so often when a friend or a family member uh, downloads an audiobook from there. Never hurts to have a side hustle. Absolutely. And again, I enjoy doing it. And so the ones that are on there are more often than not kind of hobby projects that I do in between paid professional gigs. And so you know that they're, they're my passion projects. So, you know, they're the best, of course. No, yeah, you can't say that. You have to erase that. Uh, <laughs> they're all my passion projects. They're all my passion projects. Well, it has been delightful, a delightful chat. And I thank you for being so accommodating and such a lovely guest. Again, this is Pam Wood with the Audiobook Release Podcast. And today we've been chatting with Adriel Brandt. Till next time, we'll be on the air. So hope you can find us. Till then, take care. Thank you for listening to the Audiobook Release Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you'll never miss an episode. We value your opinion, so feel free to post a rating or review. For feedback, inquiries, and more about our audiobook production and publishing services, visit www.audiobookrelease.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Audiobook Release Podcast. Brought to you by eAudioProductions.com.